1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's the most expensive uh, sneaker
2: you've seen? Oh, Most expensive sneaker that I've physically seen is something that we had at the store for a little bit, which was the Sotheby's auctioned LV. Air Force One. Wow. Um, How much we, was that? Like 300k.
1: Yeah. No, I've walked in the Rolex store and like sweatpants and hoodies, and they won't even talk to me.
2: I that's I I love not looking the part. And, yeah. And then being the part. <laughs> not a not a boasting statement, but I hoard, and you know I, 31 31 timepieces in two years. Damn.
1: Welcome back to the Digital Social Hour, guys. Have an amazing guest for you today, JC Lopez.
2: How's it going, bud?
1: Doing well, man. It was Thank good you seeing you. Uh, yeah, it's good seeing you last night. I've been in the store like three times before I even knew you owned it. So thanks for having me at your store.
2: <laughs> yeah, no worries. I mean, I'm, I'm just glad you had a little bit of time to justify a visit or two or three. Um, that place is, uh, it's really hard to explain to the people that aren't into sneakers, but when they walk in, it's like the yeah. same reaction emotion it's it's it never gets old to see it's it's a real blessing yeah
1: man i felt like a kid in a candy store (laughs) Cop some yeezys for me and my girl it was a fun time man you got a lot of cool bear bricks in there yeah
2: we you know we've done we we kind of went away from just sneakers right it was like we're looking at this space and in the urban space and we're like what are the needs Mm. and that's really kind of subjective right and as the brand has grown and and we've been able to attach a few more layers. It's really going in tons of different directions from food, from you know grooming, uh, tattooing, yeah, art, it's clothing. It's it's just been a lot of fun of saying yeah that makes sense and then trying to piece it all together. Right.
1: Yeah. So you guys had like an upstairs. Is that where? Yeah. So uh,
2: I'm assuming you went to our Caesar's Palace yeah. location, right? So that used to be a gap, and uh, it's about eighteen thousand square feet. And and you know when we had the opportunity. or started having the conversations with caesars we were in a previous mall here on the strip and we were they're like hey we want you to come over what does that look like and i was like well we're pretty happy where we're at but if we could try xyz then you know we're we're down to have a couple conversations and they were very open to this new what seems like a new iteration to retail but it's really just a shop and shop and shop and it just makes a lot of sense when you walk the space it's awesome
1: i've seen your video on your sneaker collection it might have been the biggest collection i've ever seen
2: (laughs) um you know uh hoarders hoard (laughs) you know like i it i uh this whole sneaker thing i've just enjoyed the chase yeah not just with sneakers but with a bunch of different things and um you know as your as your dream starts becoming a business as your passion project starts getting all these layers that require responsibility, mm-hmm. um, you start shedding and then downsizing and upgrading and downsizing yeah. and upgrades. Um, if, if it's a video that I think I'm nowhere near that amount. I think anymore. you had like a
1: million dollars in sneakers, something
2: crazy. Yeah. We've shot way past that, but with oh, a lot man. less shoes, Jeez. but no, nah, it's, uh, I got lucky with a few. Yeah. Say that.
1: What's the most expensive, uh, sneaker you've seen?
2: Oh, most expensive sneaker that I've physically seen is, is something that we had at the store for a little bit, which was this, um Sotheby's auctioned LV Air Force One. Wow. Um, How much we, was that? Like 300K. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, when you're looking at sneakers and you're like, well, wait a minute, who's paying 300? Why did this get to that number? Like, you're looking at it with just like it's, like the purpose of what a shoe is right you're Mm -hmm. supposed to wear it so you're like why would i spend 300 grand on something that i'm gonna beat whereas it's more like uh it's more like an archival piece that you 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 just put up as art but there's some people that they're they're hoarding and they're collecting like they could justify the wear right right and 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 Wearing something of that magnitude creates an emotion that's really hard to explain. <laughs> very few people understand. You're just so you protective know. of not getting them dirty, right? Uh, some people don't even care. Right? Oh, really? You know, like, yeah, I mean, like, my, what I consider my holy of holies, right? Like the ones that I'm like, I still can't believe I paid what I paid. Like, it's at its highest peak and I still wear it. And I don't, I don't even bother to clean them. Wow. Like, I think that's part of. There's no right or wrong with sneakers, right? It's just you have to have an appreciation, and and most of it is just a tie on tie in into the chase, yeah. And the stories behind the chase and your the why, right? right. That's really what memory. I think. That's why I think sneakers now more than ever is all mo- all walks of life.
1: Yeah. And I don't know much about like the the business side of things, but do sneakers in general hold their value pretty well?
2: Uh, great question. I mean, um, if you if you do the research and you know you tie it to the right story or you're at the right moment and you you acquired at the right time mm-hmm. yeah most of most of what you could purchase from any of our locations if you allow a little bit of time to season and you don't wear them they go up and wow. a lot of times with the ones that you buy at the store if you wear them even seven eight months from now sometimes even less time they go up at, or at least are still worth what you paid even though you wore it wow so um it's it's like wearable stock in that sense yeah
1: that's interesting so it's almost like an asset uh,
2: well i've treated everything in my store like an asset because <laughs> it really kind of is you yeah. know i've um i don't know how much of my my story and background on how we started but you know that that location um we got a little bit of love with from the from the property to to kind of build out but i was building that store during the middle of a pandemic, everything you're paying a premium, expedited fees. Nothing was happening in the time frame that you were expecting. And then right. next thing you know, your cost is triple. Jeez. And so, you know, the way my bank account is set up, you have to kind of let go of some of this stuff. And w- when I shed a lot of my personal collection and funded the build out of that store and that store cost millions of dollars to build. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: So you took a huge risk building that up, uh, not not calculated.
2: I mean, it's kind of easier to take those risks that, like, for most will be like, yo, this guy's crazy. Yeah, yeah. When you know that, like, I mean, you 10x your money on an an asset, you're you're hoarding the asset, understanding that at some point it has to serve a greater good, right? right? And for me, it's always been the rainy day fund, you know? So
1: I got a lot in the rainy day fund. And you also had that personal brand to fall back on. You spent years building that in the sneaker community. We've
2: worked really hard to make it inclusive, yeah, right. And um, you know, you know, without like boring you with the story, at one point I really felt, and I still feel that, um, that what this brand like is focused on and all it cares about is like community, mm. right? And and that's all walks of life, and you know it started on a kitchen table and now it's in caesar's palace and saudi arabia and all these other places but it's with you focusing on hey here's the here's what you came in for but this is really what you're gonna support Mm. at the end of the day and building that brand and that sweat equity has really helped kind of get in those rooms and get these opportunities that for most like you you don't even know where to start on how to unravel how did this even get to where it's at
1: yeah, you really emphasize the community. I saw you at SneakerCon and people were just approaching you. And it was really cool to see that you still give love to everyone.
2: Not, I mean, because I know what it's like being that guy, the dreamer that wants to do something. And you're trying to articulate it to your friends, your family, your your close ones. And like because they don't understand why you're so passionate about something, like it's demoralizing when they criticize it. And right. the criticism, you receive it in some cases it's it's more like because you haven't done enough and not necessarily because they don't want to see you do it it's just you're you're talking about something that how do you explain a tangible yeah it's really hard to do right so i know the impact of having a conversation with someone in in front of you that gets what you're into and is proof of like if you stick to it Mm. it could it could work out for you right right and so I try really hard to be a good ambassador for the for for my space for for our community not just here in Vegas but globally. Yeah, that's right. Sick. I've done over 170 shows Jeez. globally and I've made it a point to travel like I try to go to all the stores that I hear are doing it right wow. or trying to do it right or just opened up so I could understand what their best business practices are so I could share mine because mm. it makes you know like everything no matter how good your idea is you probably got it from somebody else or thought you could do it better than someone else wow so i've been very fortunate to kind of like learn um on a global scale and then teach on a global scale it's been a lot of fun that's cool to see
1: that because a lot of people would see other sneaker stores as competition and not even walk in there
2: why (laughs) i mean no matter no matter what you do no matter how hard you go no matter how efficient you are no matter how many resources you have, you're never gonna win everybody over. Mm. I mean, like, you and I could be in the same exact room, same exact resources, same exact people, try for the same exact thing. Guess what? One of us isn't gonna get the opportunity. Mm. And it's not because you went about it the wrong way. They might just not like the fact that my voice sounds the way that my voice, or my eye goes this way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I get frustrated when I hear people say, it doesn't have anything to do with luck because it to an extent it does like you could be doing everything right and still not get the opportunity and you could be in the right room that could possibly give you that opportunity but because it's not your time you don't get it Mm. and that moment could like because you didn't get it at that moment it could stop you from going Mm. right so like um i don't know man i look at a lot of stuff business i i don't really care for the I love scaling. I love trying to make it more efficient. I've you know, I could I could sit here and boast numbers with the best of them. Um, but that's not really what drives me Mm. at all. It's more about the teaching and helping people be more efficient.
1: Wow. And you mentioned earlier people thought you were crazy when you were starting out. Did you have any support system at all or were you solo the first few years? Um,
2: well, you know, to tell you my story in the shortest form possible, right? Like, uh, when I moved to Vegas, my first six months, I was homeless and I slept in parks. I ate out of trash cans. I panhandled. I stood in line for stuff. When I couldn't sneak into hotels, I would shower in the fountains in front of Caesars In on days like today, where there's like heat advisory warnings, I would jump in, I would, I would go to the properties on the strip that generated the most foot traffic to get out of the heat, but also to learn mm. retail. Like it's so intriguing. It's all walks of life. The city's like. Narnia in a sense, right? Yeah. Like everybody's here but nobody's here and like if you go to one property you don't really go to the other property. And there was like a few properties in the city that like I really had a lot of fun even though I was like kind of trying to save myself, but I re- I had a lot of fun just people watching and learning and like Caesar's won me over from day 1 even mm-hmm. though I didn't win Caesar's over from the beginning. And so you go from showering in the fountains in front of it to another point you're working all up and down the place right at all the retail locations that are in there from you know from sony back in the day to apple to nike to you know george jensen when it was there and then Mm. now uh i have one of the highest foot traffic stores in that place it's um it's really weird man but a a a real blessing What i'm just getting started yeah i love that attitude man and you said you're in saudi arabia too yeah so this started on a kitchen table one shoe 40 bucks I've been September of mark nine years that I've been selling uh, shoes through the brand. Um, At this point, I've touched through the brand. We've moved over four million pairs of sneakers. Um, I uh, I started in the hood mall, went to the good mall. Now I'm in the great mall. (laughs) I have two locations in Caesars. I have a, a, a great relationship with some friends that I met through the store when no one cared about my brand. Uh, Now in Saudi and that's going to I think it's going to get a couple more layers attached to it. And and, you know, we're kind of scouring the earth trying to find new friends to kind of be the right ambassadors for the brand and continue to scale it. I I definitely think like this is the smallest iteration that anybody will see of my brand.
1: That's insane. Uh, That's a real blessing. Do you worry about scaling too quickly? Like you saw what happened with cookies. Does that worry you at all?
2: Um, Scaling. I don't think we're scaling fast enough. Mm. um you know what you have to understand is what i'm learning is that you got to make sacrifices in the growing right so you mentioned a great brand that i have a lot of friends of and i have a liking to um you know you have to make it you have to water it down as you grow Mm -hmm. and it's not because you don't care it's just that it's too many moving parts so you got to make it more efficient you got to make it repetitive you got to make it safe and sometimes in doing that, as you grow a brand, you kind of lose your cool, right. right? And Or you're so used to seeing it and you're so good at it that it just becomes like bland, mm. right? So um, am I concerned about with that with my brand? Yeah, there's days where I think about it like that. But I also know that like my purpose is more to, to standardize the industry. And I have to be okay with some of the things that like i might not necessarily run that way but the majority of my message is going to come across and it's going to be for a greater good in the industry i think i changed not just sneaker retail i think i changed retail in general with the experiences and formats and processes that we're implementing wow
1: so what do you do differently from like just regular sneaker stores
2: um well the entire store is qr code based it's right. been like that for about eight years yeah that made it so easy yeah to see what um, sizes i really am not a fan of walking into a retail location regardless of price point in a retail location where you want something you need something how about now right and then based off of what i think you may or may not have as far as the sales rep like is what determines your your sales experience mm. right i've always much more been a fan of like look these items that you're here for you're you're here for because you're assuming i have them they're the holy of holies you don't see them every day mm. and i want you to see touch and feel them and for me more it's my concern is that my staff treats you like a family member they haven't seen in you know 10 or 15 years mm. and that they become kind of like that liaison that walks you through gracefully like through this museum yeah that just curates your a positive experience i don't even want my staff to sell i just want to make sure that you have a smile throughout the whole process because not everybody that walks in my doors needs to buy something wow i need promoters of the brand promoters of the brand are made by a positive experience not mm. not me grabbing you by the ankles and taking every little coin you got in your you know in your yeah. pocket
1: no i love that man because the first time i didn't buy anything but no one pressured me no one even came up to me to try to sell me second time i bought something and now i just come back for fun honestly because it's so cool in there. then
2: we did our job
1: yeah no you provide a great customer experience because there's certain stores you walk in and someone's up your ass, like, it's very
2: elitist and it's very like i don't trust right yeah and it's like it's frustrating because I mean, we're in a timepieces. Everybody's in a timepieces now, right? You walk into one of those, you know, you got the money for what you're about to ask for. Yeah. And it's the same repetitive experience. I don't got anything. Got to get on the way. They want to talk to you. It's like, why is that really helping your brand? Not at all. And they have it
1: in the back, too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's an allocation that's based off, I mean. If we're going to spill the beans, let's spill the beans. Right? (laughs) There's an allocation that's provided at every store. It's based off of seniority of the amount of reps that they have. So if you and I come into the store and we get the same sales rep and you ask for a timepiece that's not allotted to them, they're not even going to entertain their conversation. And then if you're only asking for one, they really don't have an interest. They're trying to build the next 20 years of clientele. right? That means repetition, multiple. So if you're not in there throwing on the wall, asking for a whole bunch of them, you're probably not going to get any of them, yeah. right? And the other part is, is these brands are asking these clients to wait at least two to three weeks before that rep actually gives you one, mm. unless you got somebody that cares, right? You know, so that's no, really it's tough. crazy, man. It's that, a whole, it's a racket.
1: Yeah, no, I've walked in the Rolex store in like sweatpants and hoodies, and they won't even talk to me.
2: I that's I I love not looking the part, and, yeah, and then being the part. <laughs> I I live for that. But I have some great relationships because. I listen a lot and then I I I attack where your opening is and right. I've been very fortunate with, I mean I'm persistent right um not a not a boasting statement but I hoard and you know I 31 31 time pieces in 2 years Yeah
1: yeah I'm up to 5 I got to get like you man
2: I, I mean you're I think you're going to be there a lot more efficiently than I ever was. <laughs>
1: Oh man, I love your
2: story for real. It's it's really inspiring. Honestly, thank you, brother. Yeah, not thank a lot you.
1: of people go from homelessness to.
2: I wasn't, you know i I allowed myself to get into a space, um, where I, I just, you know, I was really young. I was in my twenties, didn't have habits. I'd messed up a few times being a knucklehead as a kid, and I just didn't want to ask my parents, "Hey, can you can you bail me out of this one again?" Mm. Like I, I, at 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 twenty three, twenty four years old, I'm I'm now looking at the other foot. Man, what has my mom gone through? Can she really like does she really deserve to have to bail me out again? Like mm. I I should probably figure it out this time.
1: Oh, so you didn't even tell them.
2: Yeah, I would told everybody I was good. Like, oh, wow. you know, and and uh I would call back home, check in. Hey, how are stink Yep, yeah, we're great. Wow. You know, but I'm really sleeping in parks and, you know, showering in fountains and <laughs> you know, and, like I I once you you know, I, I replayed a lot of moments and uh, that didn't work out in my way or in the way that I ideally wanted to. And there was a common denominator in, uh, and there was a few common denominators. One was me, mm. the other one was my attitude and then my selfishness, right? And so when I pretty much got it together, sorry, got it together and then lost it all again because mm. I didn't really have any rules. Restri- like, re- like I just, I was very reckless, right? I was just... uh. I I looked at everything and I said, man, if I get the opportunity, maybe I'm just going to start focusing on everybody else.
0: Mm. So it's like a switch.
2: Yeah. And at first it felt very uncomfortable. Right. Um, At first I didn't really understand how to do that. Like very foot and mouth, felt weird. And then as I started growing, you know, I was very scared to tell my story. And then I felt very uncomfortable that I wasn't telling my story. Mm. And as the brand started growing, that's when I started kind of telling my story and It's more because there's a million people like me that want to do exactly what I'm doing, if not bigger, Mm. that possibly could. And all they need is somebody to tell them, get off your backside and go get it. Wow.
1: What was that first breakthrough for you? Was it someone taking you on? Was it alone? Was it? Do you remember a specific Um, moment?
2: I mean, there's so many moments uh, that I think helped me look at my brand and say, I think you're on to something. Um, I think one of the most... One of the biggest bursts that it gave me a boost of confidence with the brand was um, about six, seven months into my brand, um, I came across another uh, a buddy that I had met earlier. Like when I started my business, I, I the day I signed my lease, I had uh, I have forty dollars to my name. Wow! Right? Like I signed my business license, I got a credit card for twenty four hundred bucks. I open up in a five hundred square foot location. Yeah. No neighbors first six months uh i i kind of sublet when i wasn't supposed to but i charged it as marketing (laughs) um you know and i made a post was like hey man i'm gonna be opening something that i think is gonna be very different if you guys want to get a first-hand look like come down and Mm. this was before the store was open reality was i didn't know how to paint i didn't know how to put shelves up (laughs) i was just looking for help all sorts of ways right yeah came across this guy had a great conversation he was like, hey, I don't feel well, I'll, I'll, I'll be back later. And, I, you know, I thanked him for his time. Months passed, six months to be exact. Comes back, he's like a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, look, I'm a little under the weather. I, I need to get a heart transplant. You know, and goes down this whole spiel of how, like, he has to try to raise money to be able to get into a program out in San Diego. So he could get on the list to get a heart transplant. I'm like, all right, so what do you need? What are we doing? He's like, well, I, I started a GoFund. You know, the typical route that you try to do to generate money. I'm like, well, how much have you raised? He's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, who's helping you? He's like, I'm like, where's the family? He's like, none. Mm. So it hurt to hear that, right? And so I'm telling my wife, we got to help this guy. We got to figure out a way to help this guy. So this was around the, the Manny Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Yeah. And I'm a consignment shop, right? So at the time, I really don't own anything. Right. I don't really have anything. I'm, this is six months into my like, it's six months into the brand. Um, so the way consignment works at the time, and for most part, is you sell something, you hold on to the money, money, and then there's a time period when you pay it out. Right. At that time, we were quick with it. It was like a week. Yeah. Now there's so many layers to protect consumer, customer, consignor alike, right? So it takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I'm trying for months to get this uh, the tickets to the fight. I have boxers telling me, "Hey, we're going to give you tickets. Don't worry about it. This is a great reason why." But money's involved, and people are reselling the tickets, and it's just not working out. Right. So the Wednesday night before the fight, I asked my wife, "How much money do we have?" Mm. We have six grand in the business bank account, but on Monday checks need to be cut and go out right. for most of that money. So I'm sitting here, like, all right, I don't have anything I could sell. We only got six grand. You know what? Give me the six grand. I'm gonna buy two tickets that I could then do a raffle. I'll figure it out. And if look, if we upset some consigners because we weren't able to pay them out, reality is we don't need them as consigners they can't have a heart like they, i should i don't need to be making money for anybody so she was a little concerned rightfully so i'm literally risking my business for a guy that i don't even know off wow. of one two interactions i buy these tickets wednesday night i somehow get on the news thursday um i did what we had to do wow uh i got that 6000 back i got 15000 for a guy that needed 10000 Um, The guy that won the tickets then sold the tickets to then send his mom on vacation. So it was like the gift I kept giving. And at that time, I'm like, man, I did that out of nothing. I did that out of thin air. So if I could do that with just a simple thought on, you know, like a 48-hour window, like, what else can I do? Mm. And that was like the first real empowering moment with my brand that... Like, I knew I had something that was different. Wow. And we've, from there on, we've probably paid for like nine or 10 funerals. We gave a car away. We've, and I don't have a, you know, a nonprofit. This is just a, a husband and wife that feel like, hey, I think we could do this. Let's pull it off and let's go.
1: That's insane, man. You saved the guy's life with no money. That's an incredible story. Why wouldn't
2: you if you could?
1: Yeah, that's so inspiring. Wow. And you don't even do it for the write off, you just do it. I could care less. Yeah, because most people just do it as like a charity write off.
2: I don't really, I'm not wired that way. Yeah, there's a lot I got to learn from a business standpoint. I'd be the first one to tell you, but but my intentions aren't to get a tax break. If mm. I got to pay the number, whatever it is, I'm paying. I'm overpaying. I'm underpaying. Like I'm learning, but I'm having fun and I'm helping. Yeah, and that's all I care about. I don't care about the dollar. I never have. Wow. So money's just not even on your mind at all. Wow. Why? Because I mean, look, at some point I'll probably have a hundred locations at some point, I'll have enough layers that my brand is going to do all the work for me. And they're just going to say, here you go, boss, Mm. you know, and 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 I'll have the resources to go and move in any direction. But my impact of where I'm still connected in the limelight like this, my window is very short. Mm. So I have to really I'm focused on legacy. Right. Right. I'm focused on generational and that doesn't always require a dollar mm.
1: you're thinking the long-term game you're not thinking no about making i'm thinking a quick way buck.
2: past anything that i'll ever be able to see myself wow you got kids yet i have a 20 year old oh congrats yeah 20 she's, years old yeah she's uh gonna be a junior in college um she has my work ethic she is not consumed in hoarding like i am which <laughs> i am very thankful for um you know same thing as the previous guest that I heard when I was walking in. You know, uh, I I told her I'll make you a deal, save some money, I'll, I'll I'll match it. Yeah. She got her first car. She paid half, I paid half. Nice. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the little two hundred fifty dollar Honda Accord I had <laughs> when I started. You know, yeah. but um, times have changed, and I'm really proud of her. She's got my work ethic, and she's gonna be way greater than I ever could be. Do you want to pass the torch to her? I don't think she wants it. There was a moment where she was like, hey, dad, I'll, I, I want to do this. Let me, I'm going to take over the business. And then she kind of became my worst employee. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. She very, uh, she's not enough experience, right? And in, in, in human interaction. And she's very foot mouth like I was as a kid. But okay. I, I, uh, I think that when she finds what she wants to do, she's going to be exceptional at it. Yeah. She's going to have all the tools and resources to do whatever it is that she wants. Love that man what's next for you anything you're trying to promote uh no i think for me it's just uh being a better person than i was yesterday probably having a few more locations i know we have like seven lois in place from now to the end of next year but um you know we we want to kind of have 20 doors in the next three years i think a hundred doors in the and the next 10, I, I don't think it's going to take that long, but that's kind of what's on the board. And man. and uh, just continuing to raise the expectations of what your retail experience should be. You're about to take
1: over, man. I can't wait to see <laughs> the empire grow.
2: Yeah, I'm excited, man. man. I really appreciate
1: your time, dude. Absolutely, man. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next time.
2: Take care.